This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Well, I want to wish everybody a good morning. The song service has been terrific. And I appreciate so much, Kaylin, your prayer. Appreciate the introduction, Dane. And I trust that our hearts and our minds, I guess, are prepared to study a portion of God's Word. The Word that we're going to be looking at this morning created the world that we exist in. It created our bodies that we live in. And so... uh, It's very powerful, and we can grow and be edified and encouraged by the things that we're going to be studying this morning. I heard a story about a little boy, and he was home with his mother, and he said a bad word. His mom shocked, says, I want you to go to your room, and I want you to stay there until your father gets home so he can talk to you. So the father comes home after work, and the mother you know, immediately goes to him and says, you will not believe the word that your son said today. She told him, and the father was very upset. He says, I can't believe he would say such a thing. I will teach him. And so he begins to roar up the flight of stairs to the boy's room, and as he's pounding up each step, He trips over the last step and falls flat on his face and he lets a cascade of bad words come out. The wife hearing this says, Honey, I think he's had enough for his first lesson. Why don't you come on downstairs? It's kind of a humorous story and I mention it because I, I don't think there's a father here that would do such a thing. But what I want to look at this morning is sometimes we as fathers, we get misdirected sometimes. We get distracted and we make mistakes as a father and as a parent of our children. And so this morning, I have put together a a few things for for our reflection, to examine ourselves. And what verse we want to look at this morning is in Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 4. Paul writes here to the church at Ephesus, he says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger by the way that you treat them. Rather, bring them up with the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. If you are like me, a lot of you parents out there, some grandparents, you've heard this verse ever since you were a child. And I've heard preachers and and teachers, they will dwell on the second half of this verse. But never do they focus on the first half. So this morning, for a few moments, I want to dwell on the first half, where it says, Fathers, do not provoke your children to wrath. I want us to understand in depth what this looks like in our life. 
And then for, the, for just a few minutes in closing, we're going to look at the second half. But this is going to be where our thoughts are, thoughts are going to be at this morning. This is our focus, this one verse. And we're going to try to do it justice. You know, Satan, he wants our children. He wants their hearts. And I promise you, he is working every day from morning till dark, trying to lie to our children to kidnap their heart, their mind, their strength. And sometimes we as fathers, we get lulled to sleep in our responsibilities. Sometimes as fathers, we get distracted from, the, from work and the cares of this life. Or maybe we just get exhausted in our responsibilities. So my endeavor this morning is not to whip you on the back. I promise you that. It is to encourage us as fathers and dads. I am guilty of most of what we'll be talking about. I, am not, I, have not, I do not excel in any of these things. And so this study was for myself, and I hope that you can find encouragement. And I feel like, mothers, that this verse applies to you as well. But primarily to the Father. There was a president that once said that when it came to shortcomings, when it came to responsibilities, that the buck stops here. Fathers, we are the head of our households. We are to ensure that our children are not being provoked to wrath, to anger. We are to ensure that our children are being brought up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. So let's begin by looking at what it means to provoke our children to anger. There's a verse that says this in a, in a little bit different way, but to me, I feel like it helps me to understand exactly what this means. In Colossians uh, 3 and verse 21, it says, Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. Because of our conduct, because of our shortcomings, or maybe our words, or the way that we speak to our children, we can, provide, we can provoke them to anger, which then results in discouragement. How do we know if our children are discouraged? How do we know if we have provoked them to anger? Well, a lot of times we can see depression in our children. A lot of times we can see anxiousness. Maybe we can see their passion and their enthusiasm about life diminished. Maybe they say words like, I don't care or it doesn't even matter. That's pretty much a red flag that maybe we have failed in our resp responsibilities and we are discouraging them in our actions one way or the other. You know, the very opposite of this verse is uh, mentioned in Hebrews chapter 3 and verse 13. This is one of my favorite verses and I hope it's one of yours too. Because we all have a responsibility to fulfill this verse daily. It says, Paul says, encourage one another daily. How often? How frequent? 
daily so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. Why is this so important, fathers, that we get this right and that we don't provide discouragement for our children? Because if we are doing so, their little precious hearts are becoming hardened by the lies of Satan. And we will lose them if we do not correct our behavior and our conduct. We have got to be encouragers. Every day we must be building up and blessing our children in our homes. You know, we as fathers are our children's first picture of who God is. Let that sink in. We are our children's first picture of who God is. That's a sobering thought, isn't it? So let's get to the nitty-gritty, as some farmers say. Let's plow near the corner of the fence. So what does it mean? What are ways, what are some of our actions that we can commit that would cause anger to our children? I think for the first, we'd have to talk about anger. Anger breeds anger. Anger is contagious. Ways that we can discourage and anger our children is anger and ne negativity. You know, we as fathers, we are responsible for their temperament and the atmosphere of our homes. We are responsible for the atmosphere of our homes. Do we want a home that's full of joy? One where peace is, that we sang about this morning, passes through each and every individual? Or do we come home full of anger and negativity every day? Do we come home griping just how terrible work was and how difficult it was? Do we come home and we start just all of a sudden just mad because the kids' chores aren't done and we're wanting to know why, so we start barking orders? Or we come home mad because the, the, it looks like a tornado ran through the living room, the dishes aren't done, the supper is hours away from being prepared and we're starving to death? How do we come home? Do we come home just so exhausted from our day that we just want to zone out. See, our kids, they want us to be excited to see them when we come home. Are they excited to see us? Or do they run to their rooms because, oh, scary dad, it's coming home. Came through the door. Let's hurry before he starts yelling at us. I hope that's not the case. I hope that's not the case. We create the atmosphere for our home. A verse that means a lot to me. It's very powerful. It says, correct me, Lord, but only with justice. Not in your anger, lest you reduce me to nothing. This speaks to all of us as fathers, as we are to be a picture of God. If we come home and we're always angry or we're always negative, 
and that's who our children see most of the time, then please be aware that you are destroying their lives. You're destroying your homes. All anger can do is allow a gateway for Satan to come in and destroy our family. Ways that we can provoke our children to anger and discouragement, criticism. I put a few slides for our consideration. When you keep criticizing your kids, they don't stop loving you. They stop loving themselves. Watch what you say. For the way that we talk to our children comes their inner voice. Sobering thoughts. Praise is one of the most powerful magnets that we can use when it comes to our children's hearts. If we want our children's hearts, let's praise them. Let's see all their good deeds and let's compliment them. But if we're constantly on them, criticizing them for what they do not do right, even though we may have good intentions, if that balance is skewed, then we better realize that we will drive their heart far away from ours. We will lose their heart. And we will picture to them what God is not like. They will see God as a, as a, as a being that can never be pleased. They will never feel like they can live up to God's standards if they can't live up to our standards as fathers. If we always tell them and remind them of what we're doing, what they're doing wrong, never what they're right, they will lose hope. And they will be convinced that they are incapable of doing anything right. And they will just give up. I love this verse. When it comes to criticism, Ephesians 4 and 29, let this be one of our favorites and one that we memorize. Let not just a few things, but let everything you say be good and helpful. I'll say that again. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. Words have the power of life and have the power of death. Let us remember that. There's a time to correct our children. There's a time for constructive criticism. But for every two criticisms, let there be eight songs of praise. Ways we can provoke our children to anger and discouragement is through comparison. The slide that we have here with the butterfly on it says, A child is like a butterfly in the wind. Some can fly higher than others, but each one flies the best it can. Each one is different. Each one is special. And each one is beautiful. Sometimes we as fathers and parents will compare our child to another child. And we do it trying to seek understanding. Because it may be that the rest of our children get it right every time. And there's this one child that does not. And so we're just, we just wonder like, 
Why is it that you're always messing up when, this, when, all the rest of, when everybody else is doing it right? But when we do that, we destroy their heart and we, provide, they, we, we cause resentment within them. Not only within them and between us, but between their other siblings. Because they just think that they cannot do it well enough. We have to remember that each one of our children are different. They all have different strengths. They all have different weaknesses. So don't try to seek understanding by comparison, but, but delve into this matter. Try to figure out what they're thinking, why they're doing what they're doing. Speak with your spouse and like, let's figure it out together and bounce ideas off of them, but don't ever, ever subject them to comparison because that's not fair. God doesn't, doesn't do that with us. He says, some of you have ten talents, some of you have five. Some of you have one. That's the same with our kids. Same with our kids. And I love this verse. I'm sorry you may not be able to see it from the screen, but in 2 Corinthians 12, 17 and 19, it says, If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as He wanted them to be. The same with our children. He created them all differently. Ways that we can provoke our children to anger and discouragement is absence. According to a study, the average father spends 37 seconds with his children daily. I know that's not the case with you men here. But sometimes we as fathers, we may be there in flesh, but our heart is far removed from being a father when we come home from work. Sometimes we're just so exhausted we just want to, what I call, zone out. Just become a vegetable in our recliner. Sometimes we as fathers are just so overwhelmed with everything we want to escape. Sometimes we're okay with our children just going to their rooms, giving them whatever to occupy their time, just as long as they don't bother us. That's not okay either. My father told me, he said, Clint, between the ages of 40 and 60, you will make the most money you've ever made. He said, that's when your bills are going to be the, the highest as well. So you'll need that extra money. But he said, at the same time, remember this. That you're, that's a critical time when it comes to raising your children. That's when they need you the most. How many times we let work come between us and our children? That is not to be. I was talking to a family counselor one evening. It was about 5 or 5.30. He's like, Clint, I, would, I could talk to you all night, but I have to go get to my other job. I was like, oh, you have a second job? He said, well, it's not my second job, but it's another job. In fact, it's the most important job. That's to go be a dad. That's our number one 
occupation is being a father to our children. One of these days, we'll look back on our life. We always say this. We'll never wish that we would have spent more time fishing or hunting. Or that we would have finished that series on Netflix. Or that we would have made more money or spent more time at work. But we will long for more time with our children. We will have wished that we would have redeemed the time that we had with our children. The time is now. Ways that we can provoke our children to anger and discouragement is lack of communication. This is a big one. Similar to what we just talked about. Put a few slides here and I feel like they say it best. A lack of communication breeds assumptions of what the other person is thinking or feeling. And assumptions are more often than not incorrect. We've all experienced that, haven't we? Assume things that were not correct because we didn't talk about the hard things. Lack of communication with our children, it leads to misunderstandings. Misunderstandings, they tend to lead to disagreements. Disagreements, they turn into conflicts. Conflicts into arguments, arguments into fights, and fights, wars. And this cycle repeats until effective communication is present. You know, to be an effective communicator, we have to be intentional with each and every one of our children. We have to ask the hard questions and listen to the hard things. I think about the things that I talk to God about. Bless his heart. <laughs> Bless his heart. He's like, whoa, who are you? Some of the things that my children have talked to me about, I did not want to hear. Sometimes we want to shut them down. Like, how could you feel this way? That's unfair to them. They're going to experience some, some things that, that we don't want to hear. We want to close our ears, but it's what they're going through. We have to ask questions and be good listeners. Sometimes we just want to shut them down and we want to give them advice. But you see, a good communicator is a good listener, no matter how hard it is to hear. Let's remember that if we're not good communicators with our children, they won't be good communicators with God. How close are we? Do we know what our child is going through at the moment? Do we know their weaknesses that they are struggling with? The spiritual warfare that they are fighting? We won't if we're not communicating. If you're fighting with your child, it's because we're, we have a lack of communication. We can provoke our children to anger and discouragement because of double standards. Never judge another on a standard you would be unwilling or unable to uphold yourself. In other words, children, do as I say, not as I do. We have to remember that our children are observing us 
continuously. No matter what you're doing, no matter how you're talking, they will see and they will hear and they will do. Sometimes we see ourselves in the mirror when we listen to our children, when we see their actions, they're like, that's me. They will pick up on it. And they will see if we are a hypocrite. We tell them, oh, you need to love God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. We tell them that, don't we? John says, if we don't love the, if we say we love God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, but yet don't do His commandments, then we are a liar. And our children know if we're a liar. They see the difference on how we act here at church or at fellowship versus how we act at home. And if it's different, they will pick up on that. And at best, we will just breed more hypocrites if we're one ourselves. At best. Ways we can provoke our children to anger and discouragement is overprotection. I love these visuals because they can speak a thousand words. When I was 16, I had an awesome opportunity to go and work on a thousand acre ranch with my cousin Jason Averett. That was a lot of fun. I was very ignorant about everything pertaining to a ranch. So Jason, he puts me on these horses and we're going to go work cattle one day. I had very little experience on a horse. As we're riding, he's watching me and observing me and my horse is all kinds of upset. And in fact, it's about to buck me off. He says, Clint, you see how you're holding those reins so tightly against that horse? Well, that bit is rubbing against the back of his mouth and agitating him. And if you keep doing that, I assure you, he will throw you off. And I learned a valuable lesson about parenting that day. It makes sense to me now. But sometimes we can hold those reins so tightly on our children that we age agitate them and they want to buck. So we have to be very cautious. Our children are all different from one another. And unfortunately, we cannot train them. We cannot uh, admonish them. We cannot discipline them all the same. They're all a little bit different and react differently. So let us be cautious not to have those reins too tight because it will cause a lot of discouragement for our children. Ways that we can provoke our children to anger and, and, and discouragement is favoritism. You remember Jacob and Rebecca? You remember what their home life looked like in the scriptures? They had two sons. These two sons were very, very different. One was named Esau, and he was a, he was a hunter. He was full of hair, and he just, I can just picture he was a man's man. And oh, Isaac, he could relate to Esau. They were probably a lot alike. But then Jacob, he was, he was a little different. He was kind of a mama's boy. 
And Rachel loved Jacob and favored him. Well, as we know the story, there was division in that household because of favoritism. And it created a wedge between two brothers that will never be the same. In fact, still today, their lineage, their bloodlines are fighting against one another. Favoritism can only do one thing. It will divide and destroy a household. It will divide and destroy a church. These are very, very important things to consider. Not only as fathers, but as mothers and as children, as teenagers, as brothers and sisters in Christ. James 2 and 1 says, My brothers show no, absolutely no partiality. That's hard to do. There are some of you that I have so much in common with, and some of you I do not. So it's hard as human beings and as fleshly beings not to prefer one another. But we cannot. The Scriptures say we cannot. Same with our children. Sometimes there are certain ones of our children that are acting so that we, just, we would just like for them to move out. We go through seasons of life like that, and we prefer our other children over them. That is not so. That is not to be so. If we break our right arm, do we cut it off? No, we let it heal, don't we? We take up the slack, don't we? And we do the work needed to let that arm be healed. It's like the prodigal son story this morning. There's going to be some of us here in this fold that are going to be walking in darkness. Sometimes it's easy just to want to reject and to withdraw ourselves from them because of the hardships and the struggles that they're facing. But you see, we cannot as brothers and sisters in Christ and we cannot as fathers and mothers. We have to, in fact, embrace them because at that point they need encouragement. Think about who Jesus came. He did not come for the whole For those that did not need a physician, he came to heal the sick and the brokenhearted and the lame and the ones that were, their lives were being destroyed by sin. So if there are some of us that need special attention, if there are our children that need to be, that are going through hard times, let's love on them all the more. Jesus loved children. He says, in fact, if you cannot be like children, you cannot have a part of my kingdom. That's how much he loved children. He loved to admire them and to watch them, to observe them and to learn from them because they teach us all all too much about how we are to be in our Christian lives. This verse is serious. This speaks to the seriousness of what we're talking about this morning. It says, but if you cause one of the least ones who trust to me to fall in sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. You see, the verse that we talked about, if we're not encouraging our children, we are discouraging them. And what we learned this morning in Hebrews 3 and 13, that if we are discouraging our children, then their hearts are being hardened with sin. 
And you see, we're guilty of this one verse. Ephesians 5 and 1 says, We as fathers and mothers are supposed to be imitators of God. Imitators of God. We have such a vital role, fathers, in our household. Let us understand the seriousness of it. The second half of this verse in Ephesians 6 and 4 says, Bring them up in the discipline and instruction that comes from the Lord. You see, in all reality, this verse, Paul is speaking about two different fathers. Sometimes, in our weakness as Christians, we become both of these. We're trying to admonish, raise our children in the Lord, and at the same time, we are provoking them to wrath. We're doing both. This is not the case. We're supposed to be one. This is what we're supposed to be. If we get this right, then we're going to slip up very few times when it comes to discouraging our children. And to explain this part of the verse, I can't think of a better verse than Deuteronomy 6, 5-9. through 9. And I know we heard this verse all of our life, but we cannot read it too often. We cannot be reminded of it too often. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. If we as fathers love the Lord with every part of us, then every part of us is going to be about His Word. Because He is His Word. His Word is God. The Word is God. And we're going to read it, and we're going to study it. And it's going to be in our hearts. And because it is on the forefront of our minds, it's on the forefront of our tongues. So no matter what we're doing, whether we are lying our kids to bed at night, or whether we're getting them up in the morning, or whether we're walking by the way, or sitting and having a rest, we're diligently talking to our children because we're so full of God's Word, it's just, it's just overflowing from us. It's so natural at that point. So you see, if we're not teaching our children every day, then we're not loving the Lord thy God with all of our heart, soul, and mind. That is the truth of the matter. And it's a hard truth. It's a hard truth. Because if we love the Lord God with all of our heart, soul, and mind, these things are just going to flow from us. So we have to start with our foundation, and that's loving God. Loving His Word. This is the life that we are commanded to live. This is our game plan. As Dare constantly reminds me, that the Word of the Lord will not come back void. Just keep preaching to Him. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This is a choice that we have as fathers. We will make a choice. I hope and I know your hearts and I know that you choose the Lord. So let's commit our ways to the Lord. Let us love Him with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength so that we can not have any regrets when we're an old man 
when it comes to our children. That we won't be full of heartache and regret. Let us be intentional. Let us be dedicated. Let us never give up, but keep on enduring. Let us be willing to sacrifice. If we are guilty, then we have to, we have to ask our children's forgiveness. They deserve that. We may have to ask our spouse's forgiveness. We may need the, the church's help in doing so. If that's the case, then we're going to offer a time that we can pray for one another. You see, we're all fighting the same devil. We're all in a line with our swords up and our shields, and we're marching to Zion. And we've won, but we just got to remember that we have won. We've won this war. So be of good spirits. Be comforted in that. This morning, if you have not obeyed the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, the gospel being the death, burial, and resurrection, you know, a sobering verse to the church at Thessalonica, Paul wrote that the Lord's going to come. He's going to have vengeance on two types of people. Those that do not obey the death, burial, and resurrection. There's an obedience that has to take place concerning the death and the burial and the resurrection. If we don't, if that, if that obedience is not there, then Jesus is going to come down He's going to take vengeance on them that do not obey. The Scriptures talk about Hebrews 11 and 6, when we start reading the Word of God, that produces faith. Without faith, Hebrews 11 and 6 says, we cannot please God. And that death burial, that death part is, is a repentance. Luke 13 and 3 says, I tell you, except you repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, there has to be a repentance. And that is the, our death. That's the crucifying that old man. What do you do with a dead person? You have to, it has to be buried. It has to be buried. Romans 16 and 16. Jesus said, Go ye into all the worlds. This was the last words He said. Go ye into all the worlds preaching and teaching in my name. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. The world teaches that baptism is not essential to salvation, but Jesus said differently. Don't let them tell you any, anything different. Jesus says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see, that burial is when we come in contact with the blood of Jesus Christ. I like how Ananias says, And why tarriest thou? Rise and be baptized and wash away thy sins. There's a washing away that takes place in that, in that immersion of water. We can read all throughout Acts time and time again that the apostles taught the very same thing to the early church. And they taught it to one another and thousands and thousands and thousands of people were baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. I'm sick and tired of the world and pastors teaching false doctrine that baptism is, is nothing when it comes to salvation. It is. Jesus said that. And when we come out of those waters of baptism, that is our resurrection. 
When we are resurrected with Jesus Christ, we are to do things differently at that part. We are to set our affection on things above, where Christ sitteth on the right hand of God. We are to act differently. And that is the beauty of our Lord Jesus Christ. When we began to commit ourselves to Him, as the song we sang this morning, we're going to experience a joy like we have never experienced because we have a peace that passes all understanding. We know, oh how we know, that we are redeemed. And our hope is in Jesus Christ because we have been washed in His blood. And if you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus Christ, we beg you to come in contact with that blood because without blood there is no remission. Let's stand and sing. We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.